Welcome to church. Welcome, kids. Glad you're here with us uh, this morning. Kindergarten, all the way through up high school. Glad you're here. My name's Shane. I'm one of the pastors around here. And um, uh, we're in Psalm chapter 2 this morning. And uh, we're in the book of Psalms. And so uh, you can open that up. But what, Psalm chapter 2 is, is coronation day for a king. It is coronation day for King David. So so parents, here's, here's what I want you to do. We've talked a little bit about family service and family discipleship around here. here here's, here's why we do a day like today. And if you have kids with you, uh, just listen up really carefully. I, I like uh, parents. We want you to be the primary disciplers of your kids, not the church's job. It's our job to support you. And so uh, for your kids this morning, uh, I want you to do a couple things. Number one, parents, I want you to open your Bibles or turn them on or whatever Bible you use. I want your kids to see you reading the Bible. Uh, if you don't have one, there's a rack in the back with a bunch bunch of Bibles, you go, you go take one for the service, okay? Uh, so open your Bibles. Uh, number two, take notes, okay? Uh, let your kids see you engage. Number, it not just helps me know that you're listening to me, okay? Uh, but it also it helps your kids see that the mom and dad love the Word of God, and they love studying it, and they're engaged with it. So, so, uh, so parents, take notes, whether it's on paper or on your phone. Uh, let your kids see that. And then kids, if you didn't get one on your way in, there's a packet, and in your, your packet has this, uh, what we call our Foothill Kids Trek Guide. And and, uh, and on the back, I want to draw your attention to the back of it. There's four questions that I will go through as I preach the sermon this morning. And so, so don't answer them yet. I'll go through each one individually as we get there in the book of Psalms. So uh, parents, you can guide your kids through that as well. Okay. So Psalm 2, it's a coronation psalm. A new king is being crowned. Here's the interesting thing. King David, okay? Some of you kids may have recognized King David's name. He's, he's the little boy, shepherd boy who, who killed Goliath, okay? Several years later, he's now being crowned king. And he wrote this psalm for his coronation. But here's what I want you to hear most plainly, is that Psalm 2 may have been uh, written by King David for his own coronation, but Psalm 2 is not primarily about King David. The main point I want you to see today is that it's all about, we all Sunday school answer, Jesus. Psalm 2 is all about Jesus. So parents, take notes of that. Take note that at the top of your sheet. It's all about Jesus. Psalm 2 is about King David, but not primarily. It's primarily all about Jesus. And so parents, we are charged, even adults that have influence in kids' life, we are charged in teaching children great truths. And this is one of them. Um, I, uh, I'm a dad of five, if you don't know me yet, and I've got five kids. Um, four of them are school-aged children. And for some reason, a few years ago, we decided to bring them all home and homeschool them. It's been crazy. Uh, but, but my wife does most of the teaching to them, okay? She's primarily at home with them and doing most of that. But sometimes, kids, what do you, what do you get? a substitute teacher, right? And you love substitute teachers because they don't follow the rules carefully as much. They don't make you do what the teacher makes you do, right? And so sometimes my kids get a substitute teacher called dad, okay? And so I step in for a day. I have no clue what I'm doing. And, uh, but one day I'm with my, uh, my youngest boy, Jacob. And I said, okay, Jacob, you've learned how to write, but now I want you to learn how to write sentences, okay? So Jacob, what you're going to do is, is you're going to tell me a sentence you want to write. And I'm going to write it for you. And then you're going to copy it below. He said, okay, dad, we're sitting at the table. And I say, all right, Jacob, what's the first sentence? He writes, I like hats. I said, great. And you know what, Jacob, this is true. You do like hats. You wear hats all the time. So he, he writes below, I like hats. All right, Jacob, what's the second thing you want to write? Uh, he says, dad, I want to write, my bag is red. 
Okay, he's like, Jacob, this is false. You don't own a bag and it's definitely not red. But I say, okay, go ahead and write it anyway. He writes, my bag is red. And I say, Jacob, what's the next sentence you want to write? He says, dad, I want to write the sentence, I like bats. I say, okay, you like Batman. Batman, bats, they're pretty closely related. Perfect, all right, good. So he writes then, I like bats below my handwriting. And the last one, he says, I got Jacob, got one final truth. What's something you want to write? What do you want to write today? He goes, dad, I think I want to write, my mom is hot. And so I go, it's like, you, I have taught you well. Your mom is beautiful. And so it's our job, parents, to teach our kids truths and none other than it's all about Jesus. It is our job to teach them, whether you're a homeschooler or not. It's your job to teach your kids these truths, okay? So let's dive into Psalm chapter two today. A new king is being crowned. It is coronation day. Parents, open your Bibles. Let your kids read along with you. Psalm chapter two, verse one. Listen as I read. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Okay, so the first thing I want you to see, parents, you're taking notes, adults, you're taking notes. I want you to write this down. Number one, we have the people rage. Okay, the people rage. This is how the psalmist opens up this morning. Psalm is telling us this group of people, there are nations conspiring with other nations. There are individuals in those kingdoms who are all raging against, it says, the Lord, but not just the Lord who is God, against his anointed. Anointed with a capital A, this is God's son, Jesus. And this is the Psalm 2 era we live in today, right? We live in an era of people raging, raging against even what God would say. We, we, it, the, the culture around us shudders when we say verses like John 14, 6, I am the way, Jesus talking. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And the culture says, wait, there's lots of religions out there and they're all, they're all good in their own way, pointing to some higher power, and we go against the culture saying it's only through Jesus and the people rage against this. And look at why. Verse three, this is why they rage. They say, let us burst their bonds apart. Let us cast away their cords from us. Okay, so, so kids, the first question you have on your sheet, you turn your trek guide over, okay? Turn your trek guide over. The first question, who is against the Lord? The nations or the rulers and the kings of the world? It's a trick question because it's, it's both of them, all right? So we have, we have everyone raging against God and his anointed, God and his son, Jesus. They're raging against him and we see why. Let us burst their bonds apart, it says. Let us cast away their cords. What's that mean? It means, it means that they're saying, look, God has set certain foundational rules and boundaries and structures. Kids, it's like this. I'm sure there's one brave kid in here, okay? Ready, brave kids? Shout out one rule your parents have in your house. Be brave. Don't lie. Yes, anyone else? One rule. No running. Yes, okay, it's good. So, okay, so are your parents just trying to enslave you and trying to make life horrible for you? No, no, don't, don't say yes. Okay, uh, look, they're putting boundaries and structures. So like no running at the pool, let's say. They don't want you to slip and crack your head open, right? There's safety involved. No lying. They're trying to teach you the ways of the Lord and, and, and lying would not be one of them. So, so you as parents put these boundaries and structures around and God has also done the same thing. And our culture is raging against that. How much have we seen this in our culture today? And social media just exploits it even more. People say, people might say that, look, who are you to tell us that marriage can only be between one man and one woman? 
I mean, can't just two people who love each other, can't that be a marriage? Bursting bonds, breaking the cords apart. Or who are you to tell me what to do with my body and the child inside of my womb? This is my body. This is my choice. And, and these boundaries and structures that God has put into place, we have culture saying, no, raging against God and against his anointed and against his kingship and saying, I don't want to live that way. I want to do what I want to do. The people raging. And the question I'm left with is, is that me sometimes? Do you find yourself doing the same? Because if you're like me, sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm raging against God. Why? I, I want to do it this way. I, I think life should be done this way. I want to do that. God has put these boundaries and structures and systems around us for our sake. God, you're so good. And part of that is that. Okay, so the people rage. But number two, I want you to see this simple three words. Number two, parents, write this down. God is great. Okay, simple. You're looking for something mind-blowing, but let, let, let me hear you. You got to understand and hear this today, that God is great. Look what verse four says in our text. He who sits in the heavens. All right, who's that? Who sits in the heavens? God, right? God sits in the heavens. He who sits in the heavens, he laughs. Everyone give me a big belly laugh. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Very good. That's God. And what do you laugh at? Okay, think something's funny, right? Or when something's like, like overly just ridiculous. That's the idea here. God sitting, he, like the psalmist uses this word plainly, who sits in the heavens. He's making a distinction. There's these people down here and there's a God up here. And he looks down, he's like, seriously? You think you're raging, bursting apart the cords and the, the structures I put into place? You think that's gonna touch me and do anything to me? God is great. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 12, it's gonna be on the screen. Who has scooped up the ocean in his two hands? The answer, God. But, but think about this. Who has, who has hands big enough that they could literally come down, scoop the waters, the oceans of the world, and they're dry? Who is that great? It's God. So kids, let me show you this analogy here. Um, I'm going to bring up Joseph. Why don't you come up here? Stephen, come bring this up here. Okay, so 97%, thank you, of the world is covered in water, okay? And therefore, hey, Joseph, how you doing, buddy? Okay, you're going to put this thing on. And if you added up all of the gallons of water in all of the oceans, you would come up with 352 quintillion. Kids say quintillion. Quintillion, step right there, Joseph. Quintillion gallons of water. That's 352 quintillion of these. And so God is saying, I am big enough to scoop up 352 quintillion gallons of these in my hands. So Joseph, hold your hands up, up above. No, that won't work. Put them out. Uh, the thing. Can you do it? There you go. Okay. You would think, okay, maybe then Joseph can get one, right? I mean, God can do 352 quintillion of these, right? So there you go. Yeah, hold the whole thing. There you go. I mean, we think we're so great. 
right? Like God can hold 352 quintillion of these. Surely, surely we are one 352 quintillionth as great as God, right? Surely we can hold just one of these in our hands. And God would say, God, I am great. And also you are not because I can hold 352 quintillion of these. And if you tried, you could not even hold one in your hands. How much you got there? Brother? Like a little. Open them up. Boom. That's it. <laughs> All right, Joseph. Thank you very much. Here, put your feet on there and dry them off. So this is the God we serve. The God that says, I am great. But here's what I want you to see, parents. When we say the word to our kids, we say to our kids, God is great. You have to, at the exact same time, say, you are not. You cannot say the greatness of God and I'm also a little great. God would say you are not even one 352 quintillionth as great as God is. So parents, when we teach our kids this truth, we teach them, we say, Joseph, God is great. And this might sound mean, but it's not. And you aren't. And there's no greatness inside of you waiting to come out one day. If anything great happens through you, it is God working by his spirit in you to produce anything great because there's only one great God and that is God. And there's nothing you can do to add to the greatness or the fullness or the majesty of who God is. Psalm 40 verse 12 keeps going. Who has scooped the ocean in his hands or measured the sky between his thumb and his little finger? Okay, look, get your thumb and your pinky out. Hold it out in front of you. Okay, that screen behind me is about 16 feet long. How much can you fit between your thumb and finger and pinky? I got like 12 feet. Okay, but God is sitting out there, I, I can hold my, my hand out and the whole, the whole earth fits right there. I am a great and mighty God. Who has, he goes on, Psalm, Isaiah 40, who has put all the earth's dirt in one of his baskets? <laughs> I mean, moms, you get frustrated, your kid comes in and there's like dust all over him from playing, you brush it off. Okay, God has this gigantic magical basket that fits all of the dirt in all of the world. This is the God we serve or weighed each mountain and hill. Who could ever have told God what to do or taught him his business? I want you to say it with me. Okay, one, two, three. God is great. Ready? God is great. You have to see this. And when we say it, we say God is great. We're obviously saying at the exact same time, I am not. God is great and I am not. Okay? So the people rage. They rage against the greatness of who God is. God is great. But number three, parents, if you're taking notes, which you should be, I want you to write this down. Number three, Jesus judges Okay, remember, remember, it's all about Jesus today. He steps on the scene and Jesus judges. Look at Psalm 2, verse 5. Let's keep reading in our passage today. Psalm 2, verse 5. So God first laughs, then on verse 5, he's going to speak. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king. Who is God's king? It is Jesus. For me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse eight, ask of me. I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
Jesus steps on the scene, the king, the anointed one. So kids, you have the question, second question on the back of your trek guide. Turn it to the very back, kids. And here's, here's the question we put before you. Who is the king who God has set on the throne in Zion? King David, the Lion King, or hopefully you've already answered Jesus, right? Jesus is the true king because it's all about Jesus. And, and here we have Jesus judging the nations, breaking them with a rod of iron. And I wanna hone in on one verse before we go to our final point. Verse eight, look at verse eight for me. I want you to see this verse. Psalm two, verse eight. It says, ask of me. Okay, who's talking here? God. God is talking to his son, Jesus. He's saying, God is telling his son, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. If you're like me, that sounds a little strange. How is, how is it that God tells his son, Jesus, ask me, son, ask me, and I will give you the nations? Because isn't Jesus God? Yes, yes, he is. Jesus is God, okay? And so Jesus was there at the creation. Jesus took part in the creation of the world, in the creation of the nations. So how is it that God is telling his son, Jesus, who is fully God, how is he telling him to ask me for the nations? This other thing, we also believe that Jesus is fully man. And Jesus, the man, had to through his obedient life, his death, and his resurrection, win the right to be judge and authoritative ruler over the kingdoms and nations of the world. So look, Matthew 4, uh, Satan uh, uh, is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is a man on earth, goes out in the wilderness, is tempted by Satan. Matthew 4 says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now look, you would think Jesus's response would be like, Satan, you're ridiculous, right? I already own the nations. I made the nations. You can't give them to me. They're already mine. That's not what he says. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus rejects the terms of Satan's offer, but does not reject the legitimacy of it. Matthew 28, Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, standing, be lifting up on an invisible magical elevator into the heavens. And this is what he says to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You see the word nations again. Jesus has the right to tell them, go make disciples of all nations because they've been given to me. Philippians 2, last one. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, this is Jesus, by being obedient to the point of death. Here's how he won the nations. Being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He did that. Therefore, what does God do? He highly exalts Jesus and bestows on him the name that is above every name so that, or in order that, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Code word, all the nations, all the kingdoms, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus won the right to be the king and the ruler of the nations in order that every knee, in order that we may bow before him and submit to him and not be raging against him. Jesus has the right to judge and to rule over the nations. And that includes individuals like you and I. 
You'll either bow your knee now in this life or you will bow later and forcefully accept him as king because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Psalm 2, written a thousand years prior to the birth of Jesus, is all about him. And you might say, Shane, this doesn't sound like a very nice topic for family service. I mean, we sang that beautiful song, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And he loves me so. I mean, such great words. And they're true words. Hear me. Those are true words. We, we, the echoes, John 3, 16. God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Shane, it goes on to say, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And I want to tell you today, we believe the whole counsel of Bible, the Bible would teach. And I will say, God coming into the world, not to condemn the world, that will not be true forever. Because while we believe John 3, 16 and 17, we also see the whole counsel, including the end of our Bible in Revelation chapter 19, which gives a different picture of what Jesus came, comes to do. It's going to be on the screen. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. Can you guess who that is? Jesus. And in righteousness, what does he do? He judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written on, written that no one knows but himself. That'd be pretty amazing. To have a name written on you that no one knows but you. From his mouth, kids, this is crazy. From the mouth of Jesus, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to do what? To strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, Psalm 2.9. He will tread the winepress of the fury and the wrath of God the Almighty, Psalm 2.5. On his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it goes on to say the beast was captured with it, the false prophet who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped its image. Here's the key part. But these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burned sulfur and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Welcome to family service, right? <laughs> this, this is Jesus who has won the right to do so to judge the nations, to come and judge. And these are, these are humbling and sobering truths that we, we must communicate to our children. And parents, we teach these truths to our kids over and over, but we must not end with Jesus judging because that's not where Psalm 2 would, would end. We end with this final point here. Parents, write this down. Adults, write this down. Number four, Jesus alone saves. Okay, Jesus alone saves. Because remember, church, it's all about Jesus and Jesus steps on the scene as the anointed one, as the king, as the rightful ruler and authoritative rule over the nations, over the people of the nations. And now Jesus alone saves. Let's look at our final three verses of Psalm 2 this morning. Verse 10. Listen and follow along as I read. Now, therefore, okay, therefore what? Because God can judge you, therefore, O kings, I could say, O people in this room, be wise. Be warned, too. O rulers of the earth, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. That word serve can also mean worship. 
worship the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, kiss the son. What does that mean? It means give honor, give respect to God's son, Jesus, the anointed one, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. And Psalm two ends with blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus alone saving. There is a way to avoid God's wrath and that is by serving the Lord with fear, by worshiping, worshiping with him, worshiping him. So look on the back of your Trek Guide's uh, students and kids. Number three, how do we serve the Lord with fear? Parents, check your kids' answers. Make sure you hope they didn't write lying to their parents on it. <laughs> because it's not about you, kids, adults. We say one of the ways we can serve the Lord with fear is by putting others' needs above ourselves. How, how many arguments in your home with your kids would be squashed if they just put their others' needs above themselves? They're just like, oh, it's fine. He did that. He can have the first turn. <laughs> Don't you wish that was, that was their answer? Oh, he can cut in front of me. That's all right. How many marriages, how many marriages would be reoriented to the gospel when you incorporate the idea that it's not about you and it's all about Jesus? How many homes would be restored with the simple fact that Jesus saves and it's not about you? all about Jesus because we worship him. When verse 11 says, worship the Lord in fear, what do you worship? You worship things that you love. So kids, think back to last Christmas. What was the greatest present you got? That thing you were like hoping for. What's crazy is you probably can't remember, right? It's here today, gone tomorrow. Okay, so, but you were wishing for this certain toy, this certain game, and you wishing for it for months, and on Christmas morning comes, and the joy, you look at this present, you think it's the exact shape of what I wanted, and you shake it, and you hold it up, and you think, this has to be it, and you open it, and it's the gift. It's just what you wanted, and what do you do? You play with it for weeks, and you're, you're enthralled with it, and you invite your friends over, and you gotta come play this with me. You gotta come play with this game or this toy, and you, you, you hold it up as everything. You're worshiping it. And God is saying, worship my son that way. You hold him up. As JD talked about last week in Psalm 1, you hold Jesus up and say, he is most valuable in my life. I treasure him above everything else because there's a way to avoid the wrath of God and it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus can judge you and Jesus has the right to save you. Jesus alone saves. It's the great truth we must Teach our kids and kids' final question on your trek guide. Who is the greater king than all the other earthly kings? Definitely not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Look, we'll close with this. Um, Psalm 2, all about Jesus, right? Psalm 2, and if your life, you're Christian and your life lines up with that and you make your life all about Jesus, pointing to Jesus, then he he gives you the promise, blessed are you who take refuge in him. You will be saved. But if you refuse to bow your knee to the rightful judge and the rightful king and decide to rage against him and his boundaries and his rules, and you rage against the fact that he can tell you what to do, but you refuse to accept it, then Jesus will judge you, as Psalm 2 says. You will be crushed to pieces. You will be crushed with a rod of iron. And remember how big, how mighty God is, how great he is. What he says will come to pass.
Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Church, it's coronation day. A king is being crowned today. And here in this room, the question goes to you as we close. Who have you or will you crown as king in your life? Will you crown money and success? If so, your kids will see who you've crowned in your life and follow suit. Will you, will you crown power and authority and job, success as, as king in your life? If so, you're influencing your kids and they, they may wear it very well fall suit. Or do you crown, do you crown religion? Do you crown just church attendance? Do you, you crown religiosity as king in your life? That you've got to live a certain way for God to love you? Because then you're telling your kids that's what it means. Or do you crown, do you crown Jesus? Do you crown the saving work? It's all about Jesus. Do you crown him as king of your life? Which means you worship him, which means he can actually tell you how to live your life. You give that as a model to your kids and there's a very good chance your kids will fall suit. So we are here today as parents, adults, young and old, students, children, to take evaluation of who is the king crowned in our life and will you allow Jesus to be that king? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for crowning your anointed one, your son Jesus, as king. And Lord, we just admit this morning, your son Jesus, he's, been, he's, been, he's won the right to rule over us through his death, through his life, through his resurrection. God, he has won the right to be our Lord and for us to submit to his lordship and to be crowned as king. And so God, we, we humble ourselves in that fact that you are great and we are not. And we ask God that you would save us. Save us not by anything we have done or accomplished. Save us not because we're here in this room. Save us not because we lifted our hands in our worship song or gave an offering bucket. But God, save us by the refuge of your son, Jesus Christ. That all we cling to that promise. We boast only in Christ alone. And blessed are all of us who take refuge in him. Blessed are all those who worship the Lord with fear and trembling and rejoice in the fact that we can be saved from the mighty wrath of God that is coming. So God, thank you. We worship you as good. We worship you as the judge, as the king, as the Lord of our life. We love you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your life for us. In your name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.